I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. It's so good to be with you this morning. We are continuing our series uh, called Gods at War. And just to let you in on a little secret here, well, it's not a secret. This this series is all about idolatry. I'll just show my hand right now. So your first response could be, well, I don't worship idols, Jonathan. I'm not in the Buddha or maybe even something like this that you pick up at a flea market. That's not my thing. I don't know what, I think this is a deer hunter. It's kind of idle for a deer hunter. But an idol is, is anything that you put into place where God alone should be. We take something, sometimes even a good thing, and we put it in God's place. Why do we do that? Well, idols are often the result of lies that we've heard from the enemy, that we have come to believe in those lies, and maybe negative things like you're not good enough, or you're not lovable, or you've messed too many things up. And so we take on negative habits from those lies to deal with our pain. Or the lies may be arrogant. I don't need others deal with my pain, or I am fine just the way I am. And so we surround ourselves maybe with positive things to reinforce that arrogance. And I don't have time for all that spiritual stuff to do work in me. I'm in high demand. I'm doing. I'm important. Well, those lies can keep us stuck in the same old sins, the same old bondage that we lived in for a long, long time or can live in. This leads to a stronghold for Satan in our lives. A stronghold is a thing or an attitude that has become so deeply ingrained in how we see ourselves and others. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop it. You keep going back and sheltering yourself within the parameters of that stronghold. Before I dive into this message, I want to take a few minutes to encourage you to take a very specific action step and just don't sit here and hear about these idols and think okay Jonathan I'll try to do harder to escape that idol no you've already been trying and here you are let's try something new there's a break free workshop it helps us identify strongholds in our lives and how to be set free and put God on the throne of our lives and have God be our first one true love. You see, your idols will cause separation between you and God. And you're just putting something else in his place. I want to introduce you to Steve Paling. Steve Paling is near and dear to my heart. He worships here at Anderson Hills. And God has been using Steve in powerful ways to minister through inner healing prayer. Let's hear about Steve in this video. Today, we are talking about things that separate us from God. Well, let me tee this question up a little bit for you by giving you the Reader's Digest of the story of Jonah. I know that you are familiar with that story. And throughout the story, Jonah finds himself in one of three places. He's either running from God, he's stuck in the whale, or he's running to Nineveh. He's running to God. Can you relate to that story? 
Are you in one of those three places today? I have seen many people break free from strongholds due to the power of inner healing prayer. And I wanted to share a couple of my experiences with you today. The first is about a 40 year old man who had spent his entire life in fear. And as a result of this fear, it had caused addictions to illegal substances and alcoholism. That led to incarceration and doing terrible things to find the finances to get the next fix. The result was his life was totally destroyed. He had uh, destroyed every relationship he'd ever known, all the people he had ever cared about. And he was at a point in his life where he knew that he couldn't do this any longer. He decided to turn to the power of inner healing prayer. During this prayer, God took him back to a, an event in his life where this fear had kicked in. Interestingly, it was when he was about two and a half years old in a high chair and his mother was preparing food for him. And as a child does, he was flailing his arms a little bit and he caught the handle of a boiling pan of water and this water fell over and scolded him. And at that moment, he realized he wasn't protected. He wasn't protected by his mother. He wasn't protected by anyone. And he lived his lie with this reality that he wasn't protected that led to all of this substance abuse. Jesus in that moment revealed to him that he was there the entire time. And he worked through his mother to administer healing medication, putting ice on the wound so that there were no permanent scars. This man realized that he had been believing a lie. The truth was Jesus was with him all the time, even from the time he was born and he had been protected. At that moment, the chains of bondage of living from the stronghold of fear fell off him and he went on to live a productive, healthy life, restoring those relationships. The other example I want to give to you is a man who grew up believing his father didn't love him. He grew up suffering from a broken heart and it brought him to the point in his life, in his mid forties, where he was getting ready for open heart surgery. His ribs would have been cracked open, major incisions, long recovery time. Before this procedure, he decided that he would turn to God and turn to the power of inner healing prayer. And during that prayer, God revealed to him that his father was always there for him at every ball game, at every event, always giving him advice and guidance. And in that moment, he realized that his biological father had expressed love through action. His father loved him unconditionally. In that moment, he broke free from the bondage of believing he hadn't been loved. The very next day, he called the hospital and said, I want a second opinion. He got that second opinion and he was told he didn't need major open heart surgery. All he needed was a somewhat non-invasive procedure. And to this day, he is physically fit. And more importantly, he is emotionally healed and living in freedom. For me, there is nothing more exciting in life than to witness the transformational power of the Holy Spirit as he delivers someone from a stronghold. 2 Corinthians 10.4 The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. This says Jesus is in the demolition business. He is at war against the enemy's strongholds by giving us the spiritual authority to break free. 
If you were looking to break free from being stuck in a whale, I suggest you consider <laughs> taking the break free class. It may just have you running to Nineveh. Wow, powerful. Steve shared two stories about how God touched and healed people in specific ways. Now, we aren't recommending that this is an alternative to medical care or, or counseling, but I do believe with all of my heart there is power in receiving prayer. And I've seen it so many times as a pastor and experienced it firsthand myself. I want to speak directly to you guys. I'm the, I'm the ambassador on staff for the men of Anderson Hills. I want to speak to you guys for a moment. I believe we need this more than we're willing to admit. We've had 145 people take the Break Free workshop as it started in 2019. Only 22 out of the 145 are men, 15%. And we've done 80, 80 inner healing prayer sessions. Just four men have participated in that. That's 5%. Now I know, and you know, at least you and I both know, that the reason for this is, is not because men haven't been hurt. We have. It's not because we don't have spiritual bondage holding us back. We do. I'd venture to say that, that the problem is deep down inside, this stuff scares us a bit. We get a little nervous about talking about inner healing prayer or break-free workshops. When letting down our guard and receiving prayer, it, it stretches us out of our comfort zone. And it might be a challenge for us to imagine that we've got this and, and that and we don't need anybody's help. The image could be the thing that keeps us stuck. That image could keep us stuck in that pain, that problem, and in the idolatry. Break free and inner healing prayer are both tools to help us recognize the false gods that creep into our lives and are always trying to dethrone God himself through, God's, through that negative power. And I know Steve, and he doesn't, he doesn't mess around. God uses him in many, many powerful ways. So I want to challenge you to take a risk, everyone, and sign up for this break-free class that is coming up. Personally, my life has been changed. When I first got here in my tenure here at Anderson Hills, I had that time of inner healing prayer, and it transformed my life, my reality, from a lot of pain from the past and false beliefs. And that, I believe that inner healing prayer and the Break Free Workshop can help you as well. So today, we're talking about a really tricky idol called the God of love. Now you might say, now Jonathan, how can it be? 1 John 4.16 says God is love. So if God is love, how can love become an idol? Well, here's the problem. Sometimes we allow our love for other people to be the central part of our lives or the driving force in our lives. And in other words, we put people in a place where only God should be. That's idolatry. When your love for someone is greater than your love for God, that person has become an idol. God calls us to love others, my friends. But that love must flow from a love 
of God. God's love is our foundation, my friends. You don't have to be a structural engineer to understand the need for a good foundation. If you're building something that's pretty enormous, especially, just ask people who built the Harmon Tower, for example. This is a $275 million luxury hotel on the strip of Las Vegas. But you can't stay there today. They spent $173 million to demolish it in 2015. The hotel never housed a single guest. That's right, $450 million failure, a four-year legal battle over who was at fault. What happened? Harmon Tower was a beautiful structure built on prime real estate, but it was built on a faulty foundation. You see, the rebar, which is the steel reinforcement rods that are placed within the concrete, was not properly installed before the concrete was poured. And inspectors determined that the building would quickly collapse if an earthquake ever happened. It doesn't matter how impressive the lobbies are. It doesn't matter how impressive the casino is inside or the beautiful rooms. The foundation was faulty. It was not solid. And that luxurious building was useless. In the same way, if you're just chasing after human love, your source of stability in that human love and in your life, it's going to cause a very faulty foundation. You're building your life on a very shaken foundation. This can happen in a variety of ways. And I'm going to focus on two interpersonal ways in which we experience these kinds of love and I want to call them out today because they can easily become idols in our lives God's at war in our lives and these 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 wars happen on a very foundational level so this is a very important message for us today just like the rebar in the Harmon Tower that rebar can really these things can really cause difficulties in our lives. And my prayer for you today is that you would find victory in putting God first in those foundational places because they have the potential to mess you up more than any area of your life. The first one is romantic love. Ah, romantic love. Our culture elevates romantic love, doesn't it? Ah, c'est la vie. Oh, je t'aime. I love you. Romantic love. People have romance. Harlequin, the, the world's uh, largest publisher of romantic books, sells four books every second about romance. For example, check out one lines from one of the most romantic movies of all time, Jerry Maguire. Let's look at this line. is a big old lie. You complete me. I just want you to throw that idol out there. 
The world wants us to believe that human beings can, can complete our unfulfilled parts in our lives. No, you were made by God for a relationship with God first. There's a God-shaped vacuum within us all. And it can't be filled by your spouse or others. They cannot do this for you. They will only disappoint you because they can't fill those gaps that only God can fill. They aren't supposed to. Do you honestly think that one person can fix all your problems, can repair and, and set you up right in a way that is purposeful in a higher reality of level of being? Now, if there was a Jerry Maguire too, and trust me, I'm not suggesting that there should be, hopefully it would show them that they don't complete each other. <laughs> Sometimes they, they don't make sense to each other, and sometimes we tick each other off, don't we? Their love may be great, but it's not the foundational core love that we have in God. This you-complete-me stuff also tells us the serious, a serious lie to those who are single. You may feel that you can't be content or complete because you don't have another person by your side. And let me tell you, that's a total lie. The Lord didn't make any mistakes when he created you and made you complete through your relationship with the creator of the universe. Not Tom Cruise, a handsome man as he may be. No. And so that's a lie that we often hear from society to single people. Now why do we elevate romantic love to such a high place? Well, if you don't have a real relationship with God, romantic love uh, may very well be the strongest force in your life. Remember the old meatloaf song from the 1990s? I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. I always wonder what the that was. <laughs> you know, in that commercial, he came out with Dr. Pepper. We found out it was Dr. Pepper. <laughs> don't take my Dr. Pepper. Maybe, maybe Meatloaf thought it was he will never take out the trash or maybe let his mother-in-law come over for Christmas or sell his motorcycle or put up with his, his girlfriend's 13 cats. But he raises a good question. Would you really do anything for romantic love? If so, then think about it. Romantic love has reached idle limit, idle status in your life. You know, I read about a, a state of mind known as limerence. Limerence is a powerful, obsessive feeling that occurs when a person meets someone that they have a strong romantic attachment to. Limerence does a couple of things in the brain. It increases dopamine, that pleasure chemical, and decreases serotonin, which makes us have good decisions, which keeps us a little bit on the serene side. And you see the problem here is the decrease gives an OCD-like symptom to where we obsess about that person that we're attracted to. Limerence is that thing that makes you stumble over your words when you meet someone that you're really attracted to and you can't think clearly when you're around that person. This happened with me with Kim Schindler Coleman. When I met her, Gary Hart, and I met her at a work study uh, on the first day of college at NKU. I met her at a work study job, and she was sitting at a desk, and I walked into the room, and Gary Hart said, Jonathan Coleman, this is Kimberly Schindler. 
And I remember saying Kimberly Schindler 30 times in my brain. Kimberly Schindler, Kimberly Schindler, Kimberly Schindler. And uh, here's the thing. She went by Kim. Everybody called her Kim, but I called her Kimberly. And so I stuck out, my friend. So I had that going for me. Anyway, limerence had captivated Jonathan. And it began as a crush. And it got stronger. We put that person, when we put that person up on a pedestal, it gives us this intense feeling of joy. And limerence has that potential for that relationship to move forward. Uh, But intense despair can take place when it does not seem to be doing so. When things cause havoc in that relationship. In extreme cases, these feelings can overtake the majority of your time of your thinking. And that's why you see obsession happen. Here's the thing. Romantic relationships are great. They're God-ordained things. But when we put a person in God's place, we ask them to do things only God can do. And this puts undue pressure on that relationship. It goes back to the Harmon Tower story. What is the foundational love in your life? If your foundational Love is in a romantic relationship. Your life will come crashing down when you have problems in that relationship. And at best, you will have a good earthly relationship, but you'll miss out on the incredible things that God has for you in the purpose and plan what he created you for. I'm all in favor of romantic relationship. I love romance. I love to be a romantic, and I am one. And they could truly be a gift from the Lord. But I invite you right now to do a foundational check of your life. What is your first love? What is the central love of your life? You know, I spent a lot of time on, uh, a lot of time on romantic relationships. Now I want to talk about the truths to apply to many other close relationships. And it's the second type of relationships that I want to highlight. Your relationship with your immediate family in your family of origin. Listen to some of the values that come from Jesus in Luke chapter 14, 25 through 26. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple Is this really the red letters in the Bible? Is this really Jesus speaking? Was Jesus having a bad day? I mean, this is kind of hate speech, isn't it? He actually says hate, right? And I thought that he was supposed to be about grace and love. But here he says, hate even your family or even your own life. Many people have misunderstood these words and have written them off completely. But this translation includes by comparison. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's doing comparison. He's making an extreme statement to get attention. And the purpose is of this statement is to show us what God position, God's position should be in our lives. You see, God should be our first love, my friends. And there's no close second love. Now, how do you accomplish this? Do you go to your parents or your kids 
or your spouse and say, look, I love you, but Jesus is getting a little jealous here. You know how he can be, so let's deal with it. I'm just going to have to stop loving you so much. Nope, that's not it. That's not it. You see, we're used to dealing with limited resources in our lives in so many areas. But here is a reality where, that has no limits. You see, you have a limitless capacity to love, my friends. Think about it. The problem is not with loving others too much. It is with not loving God enough. You see, God increases our capacity to love more and to love those around us, immediate and friendships and in our spouse to where we can love as he loves. You've got to put other, other person's priorities in place where God's priorities should be. You see, think about it for a second. Do you excuse your kid's behavior when it conflicts with God's values? If they were someone else's kids, would you tolerate that behavior from them? Do you enable your partner in his or her addiction? Do you participate in sinful stuff with those who you love instead of sharpening each other? You're leading each other away from the Lord. Who do you, who, who do you uh, compromise your values for? You see, don't be like the person in high school who gives up all his friends so that he can go after that one particular person. God is the one who is painting your life, my friends. And don't hand the brushes to someone else. If someone in your life sets, you, sets your emotional thermometer, then you have a problem. I have a problem. You're always going to try to find value, your value in them. And here's the most important takeaway from today. Gods of love fail to replace the love of God. Ezekiel 16 is a parable that describes his relationship, God's relationship with his people. God compares Israel, his people, to an abandoned baby who was dumped into a field to be left to die. But God rescued her and raised her. And in Ezekiel 16, it says that she grew up and God married her and dressed her in expensive clothing and jewelry. And God had children with her and God was providing for her a wonderful life. But she didn't reciprocate that same love. And in fact, she began to worship these fancy things that God had gave her instead of worshiping the one true God. And she made idols and she began to work even as a prostitute. And, and instead of receiving payment, she actually paid her customers. She made her love for everyone else, her idol, when she should have been worshiping the one true God. And Ezekiel proclaimed that to the people. And God does two things. Ezekiel 16, 59 through 60 and 63 it says, now this is what the sovereign, sovereign Lord says. I will give you what you deserve, for you have taken your solemn vows lightly by breaking your covenant. You see, sin, it does have consequences. In verse 60, he says, yet I will remember the covenant I made with you when you were young. 
And I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. You will remember your sins and cover your mouth in silent shame when I forgive you of all that you have done. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. That's a beautiful picture. Isn't that incredible? While we are often unfaithful to God, He's always faithful to us. That's the only love that is worthy of being the foundational love in our lives, in the fabric of our being. Foundational. And nothing else even comes close or should come close. With God, the honeymoon doesn't end because his mercies are new every morning. And the ugly side of him doesn't show up because he's a good, good father and he cares deeply about his child and he's perfect in all of his ways. You were made for this kind of love, my friends. And you'll be disappointed in every other love that you try to put in that place. Put God first. Then build up all of your relationships around that love that firm foundation. You'll be a better spouse. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better friend. You'll be a better child because you've experienced this real love and thus your capacity and love tank will be filled and will spread to others in a very powerful and profound way. We love because he first loved us. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are our one true love. We thank you, dear Lord, that you have poured out yourself to us to show us this incredible grace and love. We pray that as we come to this table, we can experience your forgiveness and and the cleansing that you give that comes from your love and your grace, dear Heavenly Father. Today, We want to make you our foundational love. And we know that's going to prioritize our life. Set things into motion to where our love, our love is poured out upon others like they've never experienced before because it is your love flowing through us. We love you and we thank you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.